Welcome to On Our Way, a podcast for those wanting ambitious faith, a place for those needing a little pep talk, for those wanting to know they aren't alone in the daily battles and triumphs, and a place to know all of it comes directly from God. He sees you, He loves you, and He is all about being with you every step of the way. What will He teach you today? Let's find out. Welcome to episode 16 of On Our Way. As promised, I have the best guest on today and I am beside myself excited, you guys. I'm so thrilled. I have looked up to this family for so many years now and the amount of life and wisdom and godliness that they've spoken over me is something that they will never, ever, ever be able to fully comprehend. I was so humbled that he said yes. I am honored to be on the same podcast alongside of him. And I am just forever grateful to God for putting him in my path so that I can share his infinite wisdom with all of you. So without further ado, I want to jump right into the interview with Pastor David Lindell of James River Church in Ozark, Missouri. Let's go. Hey guys, I am beyond excited for this interview today with Pastor David Lindell because the church that he pastors at, you guys, it has not only changed my life, but it's changed my family's life. It has changed countless others from friends to just acquaintances, people in general. And if I had to pick just one guest to interview and get some really good godly insight from, it's definitely going to be this guy right here. So Pastor David, welcome to Honor Way Podcast. It is really so good to have you here today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. It's a huge honor to be able to talk to you and then through talking to you, talk to your audience. But uh, man, what a privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to just dive in. I'm ready and raring to go because I think that there is just this really big, massive excitement right now, right? It's going around the church about you know what God is doing even there and throughout the world. So you so personally... True. I've, you've grown up in the church, right? Since you were born, would you, my question is, is would you have it any other way? What has that, what has it taught you kind of growing up in that environment? It's true. I am a pastor's kid. So when you're a pastor's kid, you go to church, you know, but we all know there are pastor's kids who grew up. And as soon as they can pull the eject cord, they, right. uh, they, they end their relationship with the church, which is incredibly sad. Um, and we could talk about the reasons for that. But I'm so thankful that in my case, my siblings case, we grew up in a home where my parents were super consistent in their own uh, walk with God. And we saw in them something that we knew was the same on stage or in church or with people from the church as we saw in our house. So there was no divergence between the two, which is so often why teenagers or young adults jettison their faith because they saw something that was fake in the people that were closest to them and it soured them on the things of God. So all of that to say, uh, no, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, and part of that's born out of a conviction that wherever you grew up, how you grew up, and I realize that some people have a lot of pain in their past, but the fact is that God is able to work through whatever path you've taken, whatever your world has looked like and your growing up has looked like, God is allowed that to happen and allowed you to walk through certain things to shape you, yeah. to put you in the place where you are today and make you uniquely effective at what he's called you to do. And so absolutely, I, I don't know if I've just like taken everybody down a rabbit trail, but what I'm saying is, no, I wouldn't have it any other way because I believe that God uniquely mapped out this journey for me to get me to where I am today and where he wants me to go in the future. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I love that. And we talk so much here about purpose and how everybody was created uniquely for their own purpose. And I yeah. love how you said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't, none of that matters. All that matters is what God created you for. I love that. So true. Um, we have a lot of listeners here who are really just kind of starting their faith journey, right? Or they're maybe they're kind of um, unwinding it and kind of just yeah. getting to know God a little bit more. Sure. And I love to ask people of influence, which I definitely consider you, um, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting to get hmm. to know God? or faith, or even just church in general? Sure. Well, first and foremost, you need to plant yourself in a life-giving community that is yes. centered on Jesus and the gospel. So you can't walk with God 
unless you're connected. And I mean, you. here's the thing. There, is it possible to have a relationship with God without the church? It's possible. It's just really, really, really unhealthy. And yeah. so you can be married and not live with your spouse, but nobody would say that's good. That's right. unhealthy. And so it's kind of the same way in your walk with God. The church is called the bride of Christ. So if you're if you're absent from that body, like a life-giving community of faith, then you can't have a healthy spirituality. Yeah. And so when people say like me and Jesus, or when they talk about a a version of Christianity that is absent from life-giving community, it signals to me that they've missed the memo on what creates healthy spirituality and what God intended for them to flourish in their walk yeah. with him. And so I would say, first and foremost, you need to find a church where you can enter in, where you can grow, where you can find relationships that are going to strengthen you and encourage you. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so another one person sharpens another person, you need to find somebody who's going to sharpen you, people who are going to sharpen you, make you better, push you. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. If there's no one another in your life to do that, well, that's going to be hard to do. And not only is it about you getting sharper, but it's about your life sharpening them. So yeah. if that's not happening, you're missing a vital component of what it means to follow Jesus. So life-giving community, and then you need to find a way to serve others because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So if you're going to be Christians are little Christ. If you're going to be like Jesus, you got to start serving. And so I, one of the things I love about James River is we give people a ton of opportunities to yes. jump in and use their gifts and serve. And they're really, they're not serving the church. They're serving the church because the church is people, but they're not serving the organization. They're serving as an outflow of their love for God because God so loved us that he gave his only son. And this is the pattern Then we give of ourselves. We give what's precious to us, our time, our talent, our resource yeah. to enrich the lives of other people. And there's something about that that makes you like Jesus when you're giving of yourself, when you're serving, when you're pouring yourself out and it replenishes you. The writer Proverbs says the person who refreshes others will be refreshed. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, it's not like a, oh, I have to serve. It's like, I get to, because I'm going to be refreshed at. So life-giving community, place to serve, ways to serve, jump in, be a part. And then you've got to be, here's the thing. And this is not legalistic to do's. This is just what creates a healthy, vibrant walk with God. You've got to be in God's word and you've got to spend time talking to God. And that doesn't, that's not an amount of time. Like, it's not like, oh, if you don't spend this amount of time, then you are not going to have a healthy walk with God. We grow in our relationship. So find, you know, go on the YouVersion Bible app, be like, download it or maybe even get a hardcover like Bible or leather bound Bible, like old school paper, get out of like a little pen. So as God speaks to your heart, you can write little notes in the margin. I write all over my book. So like that, that's not anathema to me. That's like, that's good engagement. And then you just need to talk to God. I think one of the best ways to start that is, you know, go on, you know, your Spotify, go on iTunes, whatever, and make a little playlist of worship music that you've, heard you like you, you know and and you know maybe build a five six song playlist and say hey i'm gonna play this every morning and while i play it i'm gonna just talk to jesus and that's gonna strengthen you and it's gonna fuel your desire to be with him because i would say like this so there are young christians you talk to and like they first start out they're so excited and then they can get a little bit lost and they're like i'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out or it's really hard to pray you know, it's really hard to pray for 10 minutes, hard to pray for 15 minutes or whatever. But the best things in life are an acquired taste. So kids, my kids love sugar. That doesn't mean it's good for them. It's actually terrible for them. It wasn't, I didn't have to teach them to like sugar. Like they liked it right away. Like Cheetos are not an acquired taste. Most people like Cheetos, like Lucky Charms, not an acquired taste, but I don't think there's any fine dining establishment in the world that is serving Cheetos and Lucky Charms. Why? They're serving filet mignon. They're serving lobster. They're serving, you know, they're serving all these amazing dishes. But my kids don't like lobster. 
Like my six-year-old, he doesn't want lobster. If you set that down in front of him, he's not going to eat it. Why? Because he's little. And when you, you have to teach, what we're doing is we're introducing, like he loves blueberries right now. Well, blueberries are great for him. But what we did as good parents is we introduced little things at a time to help him acquire a taste for what's really good for him. And that's what I would say. put yourself in contact with people who will help you acquire a taste for the best things in life and the best things for you and the best things for your soul. Because it may be hard now to pray for 10 minutes, but there's going to be some time where you hit a spot where you go, I couldn't even imagine skipping that time. I couldn't imagine not having a, a, a life-giving interaction with the God of the universe at the beginning of the day. Why? Because you've, you've acquired a taste for what's best in life. And so another rabbit trail, so sorry. But those are some things that I think are, are essential, you know, like community, serving, God's word, being in prayer. And there's more things that would be super helpful, but I don't want to bog them down. I just think if you could do those four things, yeah. it'd be a game changer. So, And I love this because it's real world. It's not like go to church and figure it out. Go read your Bible. It's like, Hey guys, here's some practical ways to go mm. and build your faith and talk to Jesus. Sure, yeah. Even if, like you said, it's downloading Spotify and listening to some worship music for 20 minutes. That is a, such a good start with that. Um, I love how you talked about community too. And I think that we could all go back and look at, you know, some people we've hung out with in the past and how our yeah. relationship was with Jesus at the time. And then when you do find your church or your tribe or your life group or whoever, who really puts that faith back into you, that's completely different. You're a completely different person in your relationship with him. So love that so much. Um, so I know you know this, but I personally found Jesus um, on a much deeper deeper level than you guys will ever know because of James River Church. Wow. Um, my husband and I actually were just driving by one day and we said, maybe we should go there. And literally it ended oh, cool. up being our church home. It was just the most awesome thing. We got baptized there. Um, and it's, it's absolutely changed my family's life and the whole trajectory of, of how we do life and who we do life with. And, and I know there's so many more testimonies that say the same thing, but I just feel this overwhelming sense of peace there. Um, mm. it's the craziest thing. If you haven't been to James River church, you walk in and it's just peaceful. You know, that God is present. You can feel that oh, even now we live in Texas, but we watch online every weekend. And since we moved, I still feel at home there. There's just this, there's just such a big move of God in Ozark, Missouri wow. at James River Church. And so I just want to ask you, what do you, what do you attribute that to? What's, what's going on at James River? Well, um, a few things I would say, you know, sometimes God does for his own sovereign will and good pleasure things that defy human quantification, qualification, or explanation. It's just bigger than us. And yeah. so I think that is true at James River. It's been true historically. It continues to be true now in the sense that if anybody took credit for what God is doing, that would be a tragedy. Yeah. And yet that is true. And simultaneously, what is also true is that the church is a praying church. You know this. Yeah, I do. Like the most important service of the week is Wednesday night. It's the prayer meeting because God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, like God will do powerful things as a result of his people getting on their face before him. And that this, the scriptures are replete with references to that and illustrations of that. But I think at James River, there's a prayer culture that is incredibly vibrant and people are incredibly committed to, and God has honored that in the life of the church. I think also there's a, you know, the Bible says where there's unity, God commands a blessing. I think the people have been incredibly unified around their hunger and their passion and their desire. And they're in, I can't think of an aspect of church life where that unity hasn't just pervaded the fabric of yeah. what James River is. And so and then also we we teach the Bible verse by verse. And I think that expository teaching of scripture, line by line, precept by precept, what it what it does is it creates what we talked about earlier. You're you're training the appetite of people. As a pastor, part of your job is you are you are in a sense setting vegetables in front of the people or setting, you know, you're giving them thing, healthy things to feast on. And so um when you do that in a consistent way, you build a diet where people love the word of God. It just creates a vitality and a strength. And one of the things my dad 
has said, you know, when I think about James River, what I want it to be is pound for pound, inch for inch, the most solid it can possibly be. And when he says it, he's talking about collectively the people who are part of the wow. James River Church family. And so he wants every person, every person who's watching online. So I realize people are listening to your podcast and they're from Pakistan. They're from, yeah. you know, London, you know, they hail from Anchorage, Alaska. We've got people all over the world who are part of the James River Church family. We're thankful for every person who's able to be in person locally because that's powerful. But we're also incredibly grateful that there are people in Iceland and people in California and people in Brazil who are part of this church family. And that same desire is true for every single one of them. Anybody who's part of identifying with this community of faith centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, like we want them to be super, super strong. So all of those are maybe ingredients in the stew that God has made here at James River. But I think when you specifically talk about what we've seen in the last, you know, two and a half years in terms of a lot of healing, yes. uh, a lot of the supernatural. I think part of a big part of that has come out of uh, any anywhere God is doing anything. He often the tip of the spear is the leader. He's he's working in the life of the pastor. He's working in the life of the leader, and then the leaders who surround that leader. And he's cultivating something in them that he intends to cultivate in the people. And I think part of what happened, you know, my dad had two battle, like two rounds of cancer. And through that time, he just got really, really desperate for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to be being filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to be full to overflowing. And therefore, it's not a one and done a long time ago, I had an experience with God and it was really powerful. And I live out of that long time ago in a galaxy right. far, far away experience, which is a lot of times the way that people treat an experience with the Holy Spirit. Well, I was at camp when I was a kid or I was, you know, in college, I went to a service. Well, that was great. Praise God for that. The problem is when that one time experience then defines the rest of your quest to go deeper in God, wow. as opposed to fueling a deeper dive into the things of God. So for him, he just said, okay, I don't want that one time experience to be the, you know, the bar. And I, I, you know, he, he, and he's so articulate about it, but what he said was, I want to be full to overflowing because when Jesus talked about the fullness of the spirit, and then you go into the book of acts and you look at the fullness of the spirit, you know, a lot of times, Pentecostal charismatic Christians, and rightly so, give a lot of attention to tongues as evidence of a baptism or being filled with the Spirit, which is wonderful. But though tongues is a wonderful evidence of the Spirit's work in our life, it's not the ultimate evidence, because the ultimate evidence that somebody's full of the Holy Spirit is supposed to be power power. So don't tell me how full of the Holy Spirit you are if you can't go witness to your neighbor across the hall at your apartment complex. Oh, preach. Yes. If you can't walk across the street and tell somebody about Jesus because you're too, you know, tied up in knots and you're too scared. Well, that's not the book of Acts. The book of Acts is people so full of the Holy Spirit that there is no situation and there is no detrimental situation that they wouldn't walk into with their held held high and be willing to say okay i gotta tell you about jesus i gotta tell you about the gospel oh we're gonna throw you in prison i don't care we're gonna do it anyway that kind of tenacity is not supposed to be unique to the apostles it's not supposed to be unique to a few kinds of it's not supposed to be you know people are like oh i'm thankful for missionaries you're a missionary like for real like God put you in your neighborhood on purpose for a purpose. He's not sending somebody else. He already sent you. Okay. Like he's not sending somebody else to your workplace. He already sent you. Now your job is to be so full of the Holy Spirit that you walk in there with boldness and a willingness to go into any conversation, any setting and tell people about a God who loves them so much. The God, the creator God of the universe that he sent Jesus to die in your place for your sin. That's what the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit should do. And it should be accompanied as it was in the lives of the apostles. And it has, honestly, you don't even have to go back that far. As the Spirit has empowered people in the present generation, 
to in moments and settings where they saw somebody who had a cast on their arm or their leg was it, their leg was in a brace or they had severe scoliosis or they were battling cancer and they were so full of the holy spirit that they were able to enter into that interaction and say i know the god who created you who loves you cares about you and is able to heal you would you like him to do that and that moment and their boldness then resulted in God doing a miracle. And that miracle opened the door for the gospel. And that's what we've seen. We've seen people who've said, I wanna be so full to overflowing that God puts me in situations where before I would have been scared out of my mind, but I'm not scared today. I'm willing to go up to that person in Target and pray with them. I'm willing to stop at the gas station and say, hey, I noticed you have a, you know, you have a back brace. Tell me what's going on. I know the God who heals people. He's healed before. He will heal again. Would you like me to pray with you? Would you be open to that? And out of that interaction, people weep. People are like, ah, uh, I don't even know what to say. Sure. And then as you pray, God breaks down walls and barriers. And so I think that's a really kind of um all over the place answer which i'm good at that uh to, it was perfect. Your question, to your question it's like people have gotten hungry for more yeah and we serve the god who wants to do more and the more that we're talking about is incredibly biblical so people are like well you know it's not like you have to go where is that in the bible it's all over it's all over right. the life and ministry of jesus it's all over the early church it's just that we've gotten away from some things that were so present in the early church. And we've assumed that, well, maybe God does that on the mission field, or maybe God does that, uh, you know, God did that in the past, but we are not operating out of the assumption that God wants to do it through us today. Yes. And when people get a hold of that, God honors it. So that, I think that's a little yes. bit um, of a flyover of what he's been doing in the life of the church. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And you guys, he, he Pastor David can sit here and tell you this all day long, and you can go to James River on any Sunday or any Wednesday and you can feel it. You can see it. You can sit in that mm. auditorium and see people praying over people. And whoever's preaching that day will say, who's healed? Raise your hand. Give us a give us a holler. And people are hollering all over. Like they have gotten healed in that moment. So don't ever so tell awesome. me that God cannot heal. We've seen no. it. We've seen it with yeah, our own seen eyes. seen it too many times. And I think once you see that, you can't go back. You can't You yeah. can't not have that Holy Spirit, that conviction inside of you being like, go pray for that person at Target. If you walk so in and true. you see them, go pray with them because so you've seen it with your own eyes. Yeah. And I want to ask you You cannot unsee a miracle. You, you can't. You can't unsee that and you can't not talk about it. I always say, yeah. God doesn't get the glory if you don't tell the story. If you see it, that's so good. Go tell everybody about it because then maybe that sparks something in their heart where they start going to church or whatever that looks like for them. But I love that answer. I said it was a roundabout answer, but it was so perfect. If somebody hasn't found their James River yet, if somebody hasn't found their church home yet, what are they going to be looking for? I think you're looking for a place first and foremost that's got sound doctrine. So, I mean, for us, like, one of the first steps that we would encourage anybody to take in the life of the church is to go through something we call the grow track. And so a lot of churches have similar um, similar steps for people to take. And really, you know, it's this idea that, hey, we want we want you to understand the family that you're joining. Like if this is going to be your church family, we want you to know what's big to us, what we value. Yeah. So you need to find out what that church values and then make sure it lines up with the word of God. You know, so uh, if you, I, I don't know if everybody in your listening audience knows this, but not every place that calls themselves a church or calls itself a church is, what? is healthy. Yeah. And I, maybe that's an assumption that I don't need to voice, but there are some, there are some, you know, places that were healthy in the past that aren't healthy today. There are some places yep. that have really never been healthy because they haven't, um, they have not centered their ministry and their practice on sound doctrine. So when, when I say sound doctrine, if you're like, I don't even know what that means. Um, here's what I would tell you to do. little fun exercise after you listen to this. Do not stop listening to this podcast right now. We're not done talking. But, not at all. Uh, but you should Google the Nicene Creed. So it was the first ecumenical creed in church history, which ecumenical is a big word that means basically all Christians agreed on it. They agreed like, this is the main stuff. Like if you're going to die for your faith, this is the stuff worth dying for. So Jesus is the son of God. 
the God is triune, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God eternally exists in three persons. It's, you know, the virgin birth, you know, the essence of what the gospel is all about, that, you know, humanity, you're, everybody's a sinner, everybody's in need of a savior, Jesus is that savior. So go read the Nicene Creed, then compare that to the church that you're looking at, you can usually go on their website and say, what do we believe? Now, they may believe more than that. And that's fine, as long as the the nucleus of what they believe is that. So, you know, at James River, we have a doctrinal statement that's got like 16 values in it. Some of them we would say are open-handed. Some of them are close-handed. Close-handed issues are like the Nicene Creed or, you know, even the Apostles' Creed is a great place to start. So go online, you can Google that. It's, it's simple. It's a simple statement of faith. But you need to have a church that's solid at the center. So yeah. all of us need to be, you need to be personally solid at the center. And you want to make sure the church that you join is solid at the center. And here's the thing. The body of Christ is really diverse, which is so great. You know, like anybody who tells you like Christians are all the same. They haven't met very many Christians because Christians, God's family is very, it's filled with uniqueness and diversity. And, you know, that's a wonderful thing. A lot of variety. So certain churches have, you know, stylistically, they sing different kinds of music or certain kinds of music. You know what? At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. It's great. God loves it. I think the, the, the variety delights the heart of God. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you want the center to be strong. And then if there are things that you like, you know, there are, there's maybe cultural flavor to certain churches. That's wonderful. Praise God for that. We celebrate that. So not every church should look exactly the same. There should be a lot of different kinds of churches centered around the same thing. Right. And so as you're looking, look for a church where you can get involved. If you're like, I've been going for a while and I still don't know how I get involved. That's not good. Right. It's not healthy. It look for a church that um, centers itself on the, the main things, like where the main things are the plain things, where they don't make it hard to understand the gospel. They're passionate about seeing people come to faith in Jesus. If you've never seen somebody to become a Christian at your church, that's not good. Like, we're the light of the world. Like, if, if nobody's seeing that light, and nobody who's walking in darkness comes in and bumps up against Jesus and their life is radically changed. That's not good. And so partly you own the responsibility for that by telling people about Jesus. But if that's not a priority at the church that you're looking at, I would say that's problematic. So you want to look for a church that's passionate about seeing lost people become found people. You want to see a church that's passionate about sound doctrine. You want to see a church that's passionate about people growing in their faith. And they've got ways for that to happen and be accomplished. And then you want to see a church that's passionate about serving and loving their community. Yeah. Because if we love people and serve people, God will change people. Yeah. We can't change anybody. You can't change anybody. I can't change anybody. It doesn't, all of us together can't change anybody. Only God can change people. Yeah. Our job is to love them and serve them and point them to Jesus. And as we do that, here's the thing, God will change people. I'm so thankful we're seeing more people saved in the life of the church than ever before. Like last year was a record smashing year in terms of people coming to Jesus, which is so awesome. And now we're seeing them discipled and grow and go further and faster in their faith, which is so cool. They love like that love so for Jesus cool. is being fostered. Gosh. But you need to be seeing that in your church. And, and that does, that's not contingent on the size of the church. There could be 30 people who are on fire and they're reaching their world for Jesus, which is awesome. There could be a church of 50,000 that's doing it. So the size isn't the issue. It's the heart. What's yeah. the heart of the church? And as long as that heart is in place, you can be passionately bought in. And here's the thing. Sometimes it's fun, you know, like a church, church might be get planted in your area and they've got strong, strong core and they're healthy at the center. And you could jump in and be a massive difference maker in the life of that church by serving and jumping in wherever they need help. Or there might be a big church with lots of campuses and there's a campus in your area and you can jump in and be a big help there. So what I would say to you is sometimes there's like a big church bias or a small church bias. I think we should clear the deck of all that yeah. stuff and just say, you know what? What I care about is that they're healthy at the center and that's not a size issue. And I can jump in. And here's the thing. Yeah, there are some cultural distinctives. There are going to be preferences that we have, but let's be careful that we don't make church about our opinion or our preference. Yes. That we make it 
about what is honestly most important, which is the things we already talked about. So oh my I don't gosh. know. I don't no, know that's that perfect. And honestly, when I think about serving and community and the things that we've already talked about, life groups is just popping into my brain right oh, now. And here's yeah. why, you guys, because I know that you're listening to this podcast. You're probably not in Ozark, Missouri. Maybe you are. But if you're not on the off chance, James River has this amazing, they're, they're life groups, right? And mm -hmm. the thing I love about it is if you want to join one and it doesn't exist, they're like, let's create it. Let's that's do right. it. There's got to be more right. people who are in that exact same boat. And so that's what I love too. I'm in, I'm right near Austin, Texas, you guys, and I'm still in a life group with James Come River on. Church. And I still get to talk to those people. I still get to have that community. And so that's what it's all about. And if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I don't really have anybody. I don't really have, you know, what Pastor David was talking about, that community, those people that build you up. Go to James River. Oh, You'll tell me your it. website. What is it? James River dot James River dot church. Church. Yes. Easy. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Go there. Check out the life groups, you guys, because they are life changing in every sense of the word. They're amazing. Um, but again, I'm getting off off topic here. But this is a really, really good segue because a while back you had a reel, and I loved it because it was speaking so much truth, kind of into culture right now. Um, where you know Sam Smith, Cardi B, all these people oh, are yeah. kind of diving into this. I don't know, would you, I don't know if you call it demonic messaging, but it's very mm. dark, right? And I feel like every time I pick up my phone, I can spot it now, right? Because I'm yeah. so, I'm so mm. focused on God and his word. And even my kids, my kids are three and five. Wow. And they put on the TV and I'm like, we're not watching this. You, you know, yeah. you can spot it. It's good parenting. Yeah. So I just, I want to dive into kind of just elaborate on your reel. Who and sure. what should be discipling our children? And what does that look like? Sure. I, I posted that right after the Grammys. Yes. And um, I just felt like sometimes parents are oblivious yes. to the influences that are shaping their children's world. And here's the thing. If parents don't disciple their kids, culture will. Oh. Like there are, like Beyonce will disciple your kids. Like it totally will. Uh, Cardi B will disciple your kids, you know, and I think we have to stop and realize that if we're not intentional, if we're not consistent, there's somebody willing to pick up the slack, but we won't be happy with the results. Amen. And we have a God-given mandate. Every parent listening to this podcast, I know you might love golf. I know you might be into your crew. I know you might, you know, want to catch up on all the shows you're missing on Netflix. But while you're doing that, your kids are being influenced by a lot of things and a lot of people that at the end of the day, you're going to be very sad about. And so I would say to every parent, you know what, your kids, they're not the most important thing in your life, but man, they're sure up there. And you get such a small amount of time. So here's the thing. Think about this. My son is, my oldest son is 13. Here's what puts this in perspective. So he'll probably live under our roof until he's 18. Which means I've got about five more falls, and five more winters, five more springs, and five more summers. And then he doesn't live with me anymore. And whatever I've done, in those years, it better have counted. And so, you know, I've got kids who are younger than that, but I think that way. Okay, I've got X number more summers, X number more winters. You know, I only have this many more Easter's with them to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Am I just letting it be another holiday or are we using it as a moment to tell them about how much God loves them and what Jesus has done? And the impact of that, not only on their lives, but on the world, like, are we making that big or are we making it little? You know, are we taking those strategic moments and maximizing them? And I think that's what it's about, because maybe the biggest moments in your kid's life are the wrong ones. And parents have to be super intentional about framing the, the moments that are going to be big, the memory markers. So like when Owen turned 13, we took him through a rite of passage. Why? Because I wanted him to remember the moment that we went on the path toward manhood. Like, okay, at 13, we're going we're gonna to mark this time and I'm going to do very specific things with my wife, Becky, and we're going to 
help him understand that he's transitioning into a new season of life. And God's going to do very specific things in wow. his life in this season. But that required planning and intentionality yeah. and actually conversations with friends because they were down the track from me a little bit and saying, okay, how do we make this moment count? And so for parents, I would say, you know, the moments count differently in different seasons. So we've got a six-year-old, we've got a 13-year-old. The six-year-old would not enjoy the way that we maximize the moment for the 13-year-old, sure. right? Like he's different, uh, but he's going into kindergarten and there are going to be things that we're going to nurture in him. So we do daily devotions with the kids. So I, I'm not always a part of that because sometimes they sleep in and get up late, but each kid has their own devotional that's age appropriate, but all the kids participate in it. It doesn't take that long. I think at the beginning of the day, it might be half hour with uh, Becky. And so, you know, for you, the kids might be going off to school early. Hopefully you're taking time at the beginning of the day to frame the day. I remember when I would get dropped off for school in the morning, if my dad would drop us off, my mom did her own thing. But like both of them spoke life into us at the beginning of the day. But my dad, when he would drop us off for school, he would say, remember who you are. Remember you're a leader. Remember that God has called you. Remember that he's chosen you for a moment just like this. Go into your school and lead. Don't be a follower. Be a leader and watch what God does through that. And just that little, little few sentences speaking life into me, it framed the day. Yeah. That changed the day. I think too many parents are going, they're, they're, they're playing with the minimums. They're going, you know, like, I, I hope my kid still thinks I'm cool. Who cares if you yes. think you're cool? Amen. That isn't the goal. Okay. Like the goal is that you would disciple them, that they would become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Oh, oh, I want my kids to like me. Like, I want my kids to think I'm awesome. But at the end of the day, that isn't the primary target for them to think I'm cool. Yeah. There are going to be times they ain't going to think I'm cool. I can tell you that. There are going to be times they think, what in the world, dad? <laughs> and hopefully in those moments, they're thinking it for the right reasons. Yeah. It's that, I've, it's that I am helping them understand what's actually important, or I'm teaching them a lesson that I recognize, okay, this is hard, but this is the moment. Yeah. And I think too many parents are giving away those moments or they're sleeping away those moments or they're entertaining them those moments away and they're missing them. So for the moms and dads out there, here's what I don't want you to feel. I don't want you to feel condemned about it. I don't want you to feel like, man, I'm a big failure. You know what? We all fail. I fail. Like we're not perfect parents. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the highlight reel for you. We've got plenty of days where we didn't do it right. But, but we still have the target. And the target is saying, I want to push my kids at every opportunity, every moment, every juncture, I want to push them to Jesus. And then watch what God does as a result in their life. I just am a steward. I'm a steward of my four kids. They ultimately belong to him. He created them. And so every day I have to give them back to him. I have to say, God, you know the plans you have for Owen. You know the plans you have for Elliot. You know the plans you have for Henley. You know the plans you have for Calvin. Lord, may they be accomplished in Jesus' name. And then watch what he does. So oh my gosh. And even just thinking about this, you know, I'm sure you guys are listening to this and you're thinking about your own children when they do turn on the TV, when they do go to school mm. and something weird happens, and all of a sudden, your voice is in their head saying, be a leader, mm. don't be a follower, yeah, yeah, go, yeah, go yeah. do these things. That's what pops into their brain instead of, well, maybe I should go try that. That's and your kids, your kids will be weird sometimes, okay? Yes, like, amen. My kids don't know a lot of what's out there in pop culture, and I don't care. I don't care. They're, hey, here's the thing. We don't dress them all alike and like, you know, do at-home <laughs> haircuts, like, unless they want that. Like, we're not trying to make them weird on purpose. We're trying to say, hey, we want to protect you. Some people have said, well, your kids are going to be sheltered. Well, I hope so. Yeah, amen like, to that. Shelter means protection. Yeah. And I'm their protector. So why are we saying a kid being sheltered is bad? A kid being sheltered is good. It means somebody cared enough to put a protective hedge around them. And parents, that's your job. Yes. Job is to protect their kids, protect their minds, protect their hearts. Yes. And then- Honestly, God is going to honor them, honor you for it. And sometimes they're going to be like, I don't want to be protected. 
here's the thing. They'll thank you later. Yes. Thank you later. Oh my gosh. This is okay. So this is such a, a, again, a really good segue into my next question. This is my last one. I know your time is super valuable, but I want to talk about healings because we kind of touched on this earlier, um, but it has been happening at James River for gosh, three years now, probably longer than that. Amazing. But every week, I am just blown away by what God is doing for his people. I know that God delights in healing people. So I really want you to tell me about what's happening at James River with healings. Why are they so important? And do you think, because I've heard this chatter and I'm, you know, I'm looking at it like, I don't know. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. Do you think that there's a revival or a great awakening happening in Southwest Missouri or kind of just the nation altogether? Give me your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, I guess I'll start at the end of your question and then yeah. work backward. Yeah. Um, the answer, I think, is yes. Yes, I, think I do the, too. I think the seeds of a great awakening have been planted and are starting to sprout. Yeah. So that's the way I think about it. Um, and you see all these pockets of God doing things that we haven't, we didn't, we weren't hearing a lot about maybe five years ago, 10 years ago. I'm not saying it wasn't happening. I'm just saying that the volume is greater the prevalence of what we're hearing about is greater and it's happening in a variety of churches and places and backgrounds. And so it's just so exciting because I think what God wants to do on the earth is not limited to one group of Christians, one type of church, even one physical location. (laughs) He wants to do it all over the place. And I think it's that heart response that says, God, I want what you want. God, I want all that you have for me. Anytime we do that, Anytime any of us say, God, I want all that you have for me, we need to recognize if we are really serious, it's a dangerous prayer because God is about to pluck you out of your comfort zone. He's about to take some of those things maybe that have made you too comfortable, too complacent, and he's going to push you now into a new arena, a new place in your walk with him where you're going to have to trust him more. You're going to have to walk by faith, not by sight. And so I think that's happening for a lot of believers right now. I think that whole walk by faith, not by sight is now being road tested in a way that it hasn't been in their life. And the thing is that's simultaneously exciting and kind of nerve wracking because you think, okay, I've, I haven't, these are uncharted waters. For right. Me. And they're uncharted waters for me. But here's the thing. When you go back to God's word, not uncharted waters. We actually go into the pages of history, not uncharted water. So now we have to learn. And I think that's what we've tried to do. Like we've, we've tried to learn from other people who have walked this road, who God has used in this way, whether that's people from history, whether it's Jonathan Edwards, first great awakening or George Whitfield, or even into the second great awakening, or, you know, we just finished a series in the book of Acts. And if you didn't get to be a part of that, um, I'm just saying this to all your listeners, it's available on YouTube. You need to go on, check it out. Yeah, Uh, it was called power today. Why? Because we believe that God has power for his people today. You can walk in that you can have that at work in your life, if you yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. So in terms of the healings that we've seen, I think there are several things that have set the stage for that one, we make space in every service for it. Yes. So on Sundays, historically, this is this is a decades old practice in the life of James River. But James chapter five says, are any of you sick? What should you do? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. In other words, we can't heal anybody, but we can yield to what God's word says, the instruction of God's word. And this is true in any area of your life. You yield to what God's word says, and then you watch the power of the Holy Spirit flow through you to do for people you're around or in an environment and an atmosphere, what you could never accomplish on your own. And that's what's happening at James River. So we make space in the Sunday services for people to come forward. And so people get healed in that moment during the worship service. You know, people are singing and praising the Lord and other people are are being prayed for and there's healing happening in the room. So that's so cool. And then as well, at moments in the service, unique, spontaneous moments, we believe the gifts of the spirit are in operation today. When you, when I say the gifts of the spirit, if you're like new to Christianity, you might be like, what is that? Just go in the New Testament and look at 2 Corinthians 12 and 14. And there are other gifts listed. So those aren't exhaustive, but 
the gifts of the spirit that we find in first Corinthians kind of guide they're they're a little bit of a roadmap for what the spirit of God wants to do in the life of a community of faith and how he's going to work. And sometimes the way he works is that he gives people what the Bible calls a word of knowledge. And a word of knowledge is where somebody gets insight from the Holy Spirit into something that God wants to do in the life of a person or in a place or in a group of people that they wouldn't have knowledge about otherwise. They wouldn't understand. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have inside information into. And so we've seen him do that a lot where people are like, okay, you know, I believe God showed me a lady with a red sweater and she was walking with a cane and she's dealing with this issue um, and God wants to heal her. And so it's often it's very specific. And so that that's a faith step right there because yeah, a lot of people are like, ah, I don't know if I want to be, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to yeah. fail. And so it's that willingness to step out and take a risk. How is faith spelled? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That's faith. Like I it's a it. risk. It's a step of faith. And yeah. so, you know, if you're not willing to step out in faith, then you won't see God do much because God looks for faith. He rewards faith. He honors faith. And so the, as the people of James River have stepped out in faith to believe God for miracles and the supernatural, we've seen him honor that in the life of his people. And so that's, I feel like that's what we're seeing yeah. him do. People have been more passionate about taking God at his word and stepping out of faith and believing him to do the impossible. And as a result, we've seen more and more miracles. And so, you know, even this week, I got uh, an email yesterday and I get one of these every day, all the stories of what God did in the last 24 hours. And so that's the other key component of this, that if you don't share the stories of what God is doing, yes. you will watch it gradually diminish. Yes. Because what happens, you know, you know, the psalmist will say things like, oh, magnify the Lord with me, make known his deeds among the nations. You know, like, you know, we're, we're repeatedly through the Psalms called to celebrate the works of God. And part of what happens when we celebrate the works of God, one of the, one of the definitions of the Hebrew word for testimony means do it or is do it again. So the idea of a testimony is honestly an invitation to God to say, God, yeah. would you do it again in our day? Yeah. You know, God, we've seen you do it before. Do it again in my life. Do it again in our family. Do it again in our church. And so one of the things we want to be passionate about, not just to see God do it again, but so that he gets the glory, is sharing the stories of yes. what he's done. And so we're constantly encouraging people like, if God's done something in your life, tell somebody, tell somebody. And by the way, this isn't just a healing reality. If God has delivered you from drug addiction, like if he's rescued your marriage, if he's put your kid's relationship back together, if he's healed your home, tell somebody why, yes. because faith will rise in their heart to say, oh, if he did it for you, God will do it for me. He's, he's the God who brings restoration and healing and wholeness and salvation. And it's as we get vocal about what he's done that we watch him do more of it. It's just true. Why? Because he responds to the faith of his people. And so I think we've been trying to stoke the flames of what yeah. he's doing by sharing the stories continually of how he's at work. And we're going to continue to do that. That's, I mean, we've, I think we've always been passionate about sharing the stories about how God is working, but that passion has gotten to like fever pitch. Like oh. we are so, so fired up about saying, this is what God is doing. And we understand what that does in the life of any person who has their faith in Jesus. It just stirs them to believe God for more. And that's what we want. Oh my gosh. And I will never forget. I was in the auditorium one time and I think it was pastor John, your dad. I think he said something so specific. There's a guy in the room who has whatever, two bolts in his neck. Wow. They're going to be dissolved. God's going to heal you. And everybody's wow. kind of looking around and you know, you yeah. could tell who the new people are. Cause they're like, really, this is really going to happen in this church. The next week, the next Sunday, he said he got the testimony back. Those bolts were dissolved when the guy went into the doctor. And wow. here's what I love is my own personal part of this. I just put on my Instagram, holy cow, you guys. I was at James River this weekend. This guy had bolts in his neck. God healed them. They're dissolved. Wow. And you may sit there and think, I don't know who's going to hear this. I don't know if this is for anyone, but I'm going to I'm gonna talk about it anyways. Three weeks later, this lady who I have no idea was following me. And she said, hey, 
can you give me the address to James River? Cause I want to go wow. there. And y'all, she wow. lived in Texas and she wow. went to James River from that one post. So don't be Amazing. afraid to have faith. Like pastor David said, it's risk, right? It's risky. It does. Sometimes it feels a little uncomfortable, but take that step, post yeah. about it, talk yeah. about it, tell your friends, tell your family, because he's yeah. going to be glorified and so many lives can be changed from it. So true. So oh true. my gosh. Well, thank you for your time today. I know it's so precious and so valuable. This has been the most amazing episode. Um, we're so excited to air it, get it, to get it going. And just thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Hey, it was my privilege. Thank you for inviting me and just getting to talk about what God is doing. It's so encouraging. I hope everybody who listened to this was encouraged. And if you're ever in Southwest Missouri, come see us. Okay. Yes. Come say, Hey, and, uh, we would love it. And we'll, you know, don't just come and leave. Come say hi, okay? Yes, absolutely. They are the best family you will ever know. And like I said, you can feel God in that place. So thank you so much again. And we are signing off. Bye, guys. Wow, you guys, I hope that that episode left you as awe-inspired and as speechless as it left me. There were so many times that I had chills. I wanted to cry. And I wanted to cry out of joy and inspiration. And I just had all of the feelings and I hope that it gave you guys that deep sense of just belonging and knowing your worth and your value. And I have zero doubts that by listening to this episode, you are going to want to walk with your head held higher. You're going to realize whose you are and you're going to know what a blessing you are to so many people all around you. Please go follow Pastor David on social media. Just search for his name and give James River Church a follow as well. I promise it'll change your life. Thank you for tuning in today and I speak life and I speak Jesus over each and every one of you. Have a great week, be good to each other and God bless.